Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Monday, May 1st, 529 a.m. Central Time as I speak here. July corn futures down one at 584. July soybeans up two and a half at 1421 and three quarters. July Chicago wheat down nine at 624 and three quarters. July Kansas City wheat getting beat up down 12 and a half at 763 and three quarters. July spring wheat down nine and a half at 794 and a quarter. Mackenzie, where do you want to start this morning? We're going to talk about the weather. Warmer temperatures will hit U.S. corn and soybean areas midweek this week. Following a cooler Monday and Tuesday, forecasts suggest that areas as far as far north as North Dakota and Minnesota will see temperatures in the mid-60s by Wednesday and 70s by Thursday. Rainfall will be sparse this week. No single area of the country should see more than one inch of rain in total over the next seven days. HRW wheat areas of the U.S. U.S. Southern Plains have some better chances of rain early next week. So the radar's pretty quiet here this morning, really not much going on. Uh, these temperatures are going to warm up drastically here, really beginning tomorrow and then Wednesday, Thursday. And uh, you look at the map here on my screen, this is expected maximum temperatures on Thursday. This warm stuff will move its way east into like Friday and into the weekend. So this is going to be a, a greatly improved week, I think, in regard to planting prospects in a lot of places. Um, the rainfall that's on my screen here, this is the next seven days. I mean, this blue stuff is like an inch of rain at best. So even the areas that are going to get rain won't get a ton of it. Um, this second rainfall map. This is uh, expected rainfall through May 10th, and you do have some rain that comes back into the Corn Belt and also potentially into the Southern Plains like early next week. This stuff that's a week or 10 days out, which is what a lot of this is, it's not necessarily the re most reliable stuff in the world, but um, we'll see. I know that they could certainly use the rain here in the Southern Plains, and uh, I would imagine there's going to be a lot of field work done in these areas that will catch rain early next week, uh, this week before the rains uh, come, of course. If you guys aren't already checking out our premium content, you sure need to do so. Joe, tell me what we had going on last Friday. Absolutely fantastic video with Chris Barron from AgView Solutions. So we've had a lot of um, subscribers and viewers uh, comment or write in and say, you know, I'm worried about new crop. I'm, I'm panicking, thinking about either making a panic sale or like a panic option purchase. Our advice was this, before you do that, you've got to get out the crop insurance calculator and figure out what all of this means for you. Chris and Shay of AgView Solutions, who are uh, uh, contributors here, made available a free tool to everybody that I sent out uh, that you could download in the newsletter this morning. This was a super quick uh, crop insurance in indemnity tool. You punch in like five different things and it spits you out your numbers. I think you punch in your acres, your APH yield, your expected fall price, which you can fiddle around with, and a couple other things and it'll spit you out your payment and kind of like where your crop insurance is going to start to really act as a revenue protection uh, vehicle. So this was absolutely fantastic stuff. This is real world grain marketing stuff, guys, and a free tool. I had another video on Thursday where I had a 
a free uh, PDF download available. This is like something that you hang on your wall. Uh, top 10 global producers, exporters, importers of corn, soybeans, and wheat. You see a story break from overseas and you're uh, interested. Why is this story regarding Russia and wheat a big deal? Well, you'll have the chart on your uh, on your desk that Russia is the world's top wheat exporter, right? If you guys want to see any of this stuff, all of this stuff, these free downloads, uh, go to standardgrain.com this morning. You can sign up for the premium deal, 50 bucks a month, cancel at any time, no other fee, no other obligation. Nobody will try to sell you anything else. Um, you can sign up for like in like one minute uh, on your phone. It's an absolute piece of cake, guys. Check it out this morning. So flooding on the Mississippi River will result in reduced barge traffic. USDA said in a transportation report last week that all locks and dams north of Lock 17 south of the Quad Cities will be closed for at least three weeks. The closures are likely to ha to impact export shipments that would typically make their way downriver to the U.S. Gulf. The flooding comes just months after the river hit historic low levels in the fall of last year. About 60% of all U.S. grain exports move through the Gulf via the river. Yeah, this is a big deal, and this is not something that we need. We have export problems as it is, and if we have problems moving grain down the river, that uh, makes hitting any of these USDA targets, whether it's corn or soybean shipments, makes it a lot more difficult. I know there's going to be some issues uh, in regard to planting if you're in the river valley. I don't think that's the biggest issue here. I think the bigger issue is probably the uh, fact that USDA says right here in their um, grain transportation report that for three weeks, everything above lock 17, which is again, just south of the Quad Cities, is going to be closed. So uh, slower grain movement may be an issue here. It's crazy. You went from historically low levels to a flood situation just in the course of what but, you know, six months, uh, pretty crazy deal. So Russia launched a series of missile attacks on Ukrainian cities this past weekend. Reports indicate that 15 of the 18 missiles were shot down by Ukrainian forces. Russian officials said that the strikes targeted infrastructure and fuel supplies. BBC reports that apartments, houses, schools, and shops were damaged. Uh, the Black Sea grain deal is set to expire on May 18th. Yeah, so the war is, I'm not going to say it's escalating, but it's certainly not going in the right direction if you're looking for a peaceful resolution. And there wasn't really much on the wires or anywhere uh, about the Black Sea grain deal this morning, uh, according to what I looked at anyways. So this thing's got another couple weeks on it. I'm not quite sure what Russia wants to do, but the uh, situation continues to escalate the way that it looks. The Biden administration has approved summer sales of E-15 via an emergency waiver. On Friday, the administration announced it would allow summertime sales of gasoline with a higher blend of ethanol. The waiver would exempt E-15 from anti-smog regulations that block sales from June 1st through September 15th. The intention is to lower consumer fuel prices during the summer driving season by increasing the volume of available fuel. Expanded ethanol sales uh, which are expensive to blend and compete with petroleum products, obviously, have been met with opposition by the oil refining industry. The emergency waiver is set to take effect today and then last through May 20th. Okay, so it says the emergency waiver will last through May 20th, but EPA said in their statement that they will likely extend the emergency waiver probably 
through the summer the way that it sounds. Uh, this is generally met with positive feedback. Uh, Kim Reynolds is Iowa's governor, I believe. She said, this is a huge win for Iowa farmers and our ethanol industry and proves that even our biggest adversaries can't ignore the advantage biofuels bring to our country's economy and national security. Now all Americans will have access to cheaper, cleaner burning fuel this summer. Uh, people in the ethanol lobby and people in the corn lobby would like to see this like not be an emergency waiver, but be a permanent deal. But for for the moment, uh, this is a good thing here for uh, this coming summer, the way that it looks. Large money managers are net short the corn market. CFTC released weekly commitment of traders data on Friday. So during the week ending April 25th, the funds were net sellers of 68,000 contracts of corn. They were also sellers of 48,000 contracts of soybeans and 9,000 contracts of SRW wheat for the week. Those are some big numbers, 68,000 contracts of corn in one week. Uh, so you look at the net positions. I mean, you're not net short a modest for the funds, net short a modest amount of corn. 10,000 is very modest. Uh, that 87,000 net long in soybeans is not the monster net long that it once was. It's more of, I'm not going to say modest. It's a, it's a relatively large net long, but it's, it's not a big net long. This is a big time net short in SRW wheat. I've got an SRW wheat uh, fund chart. This is managed money, futures only. Uh, this is the largest net short that funds have had in SRW wheat since, uh, you got to go back to 2018. And they've been short this much SRW wheat uh, on a few different occasions in that like 16, 17, 18 timeframe. But aside from that, you've never seen that short larger than this in the SRW wheat market. So despite all of the Black Sea issues, all the chatter regarding that, uh, large money managers are very, very aggressively short the uh, SRW wheat market, which tends to be the uh, class of wheat that they trade the most. China's manufacturing activity declined in April. China's manufacturing purchasing managers index fell to 49.2 in April, down from 51.9 in March. A reading below 50 signals a contraction from the previous month. China's economy expanded at its fastest pace in a year last quarter as COVID restrictions were lifted and consumer spending increased. The unexpected decline in manufacturing activity shows there is still doubt about the sustainability of the recovery. Insufficient domestic demand has hindered recovery, leading China's top decision-making body to call for ongoing vigorous fiscal and monetary support. I think it's important to watch the Chinese economic data. Uh, we've been told uh, recently via different newswire sources that Chinese soybean demand is just not quite where it needs to be or should be, and that uh, USDA may in fact be substantially too high in its projection for U.S. or I'm sorry, Chinese soybean imports in total, which is a big deal. So this does all tie back to our markets. You know, the export market in soybeans is like half of our demand base for soybeans that we grow in the United States. The other half is processed uh, here in the United States. There's a little bit in the middle. So this Chinese economic data is worth uh, watching for sure. Quarterly U.S. employment costs accelerated for the first time in a year. The employment cost index increased 1.2% in the first quarter, according to Labor Department figures that were released on Friday. A Bloomberg survey of economists predicted a 1.1% advance. The data indicates compensation is still quickly rising amidst a tight labor market, strong ECI strong ECI quarterly data may have solidified the Fed's decision to increase interest rates this week. Uh, Treasury markets show an 84% chance of a 0.25% hike and a 16% chance of no hike. The ECI is the last report on wages that the Fed will see before the conclusion of its two-day meeting on Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time.
So that's when you'll see the, the uh, interest rate announcement it will be Wednesday at one o'clock central. Here's the uh, CME Fed tool for the month of May. There's an 84% chance that they're going to hike by a quarter, only a 16% chance that there's no hike. What's more interesting is when you go to the uh, probabilities for June, the probability for the June meeting is, is a 62% chance of no hike. So essentially the, the narrative or story right now is that this could be the last rate hike from the Fed, at least in this cycle. It's a possibility. So that's something that uh, every trader on the planet will be watching on Wednesday afternoon. What did the cattle market do late last week? Uh, so cash cattle traded lower in all regions last week. In the north, trade was mostly at 178. That was down $2 from the week before. And then down in the south, the majority of the trade was at 173. That was also $2 lower than the previous week. On Friday, live cattle futures ended the day uh, mostly steady, no big moves. Same with feeder cattle. They were just down marginally. Choice box beef ended the day at 311.44. Uh, that was up 37 cents. On the week, choice uh, choice box gained $4.47. And select ended Friday at 288.34. That was down 75 cents. Outside markets this morning on Monday, guys, US dollars just a little bit higher. Stock markets off just marginally. The SP's down two. Dow Jones down about six points. Gold and silver mixed. Crude oil's getting beat up a little bit, down $1.68 in the June WTI at 75.10. Everybody have a great week. Uh, we will talk to you guys on Tuesday.